0: Calling all Stu's Wrestling Podcast fans, this is your opportunity to help out Stu. Vote for Stu's Wrestling Podcast in the BBC Sound's Listener's Choice Awards. Head to www.britishpodcastawards.com. The winner will be announced on Saturday, the 11th of July, 2020, at the British Podcast Awards. Don't forget to smack down a vote for Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Before midday, 6th of July.
1: You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast.
0: Established 2019. Direct from the North Wales coast.
1: His verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time... For British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host Stu Palmer.
0: A warm welcome to episode thirty-eight, and today's guest is the lead play-by-play commentator, Mr. Rich Bokini, and you will also have known him as Rich Brennan when he was commentating on WWE SmackDown and WWE NXT. Rich doesn't just commentate on wrestling, he's covered other sports over the years, including ice hockey, and it was just great to get Rich on, as I always say, it's just a pleasure, I appreciate the commentary teams and announcers as much as the wrestlers, they bring a lot to the table, so it's cool speaking to these guys about their careers, and their focal points on their careers, and their opinions on things that have happened over the years. And Rich has got a lot to talk about on this show, especially with his time at WWE, as you'll get to hear. So episode thirty-eight with MLW's Rich Bokini, formerly of WWE, as Rich Brennan. Enjoy. Right, it is my pleasure and honor and a warm welcome all the way from the US. Rich, whereabouts in the US actually? Uh I am
1: in Florida. I don't want to say we're in Florida because it's Florida. No, I'm in I'm in Florida. I'm in Gainesville, uh, Gator Country, and uh, it's hot as hell here today. And uh, you know it's starting to get warm out. But uh, no, I'm excited to be talking to you. uh, You know, over there in, uh, you know, over there in Wales, we were were talking before we we hit the record button that, uh, you know, I spent some time in Manchester and enjoyed my time over there. And uh, no, I'm just you know excited to get to talk to you today here, Stewie.
0: It's rich bikini. Bulkini. We're Rich Brennan in WWE, play-by-play announcer, commentator for MLW, which I'm a big fan of your commentary. And obviously going back to WWE as well. Big fan. Big I fan. appreciate that. Thanks, but man. It's not just about the wrestlers for me. I like the broadcast side of it as well. I, I, I appreciate, you know, it's a, tough, it's a tough job, but you guys are so professional and brilliant. So it's just an honor to have you on, basically. <laughs> I,
1: I I I appreciate that. And, you know, kind kind of like you, um, you know, growing up, it was kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, and even now, I you know, I get excited like if there's an announcer that uh, that I'm a fan of, and you know, even though I'm in the business, you know, uh, I I want to say I geeked out probably, you know, more when I met, uh, you know, when I met Mean Gene and you know Howard Finkel and and, and some of those guys than I did like. You know when I met like Hulk Hogan or some of those some of those guys, it was more of a big deal to me to meet like to me and Gene. That was awesome. You know,
0: I met I met Gene, for, great guy, huh? Yeah, he was brilliant, just yeah. superb. He was you know, obviously before he was ill, poorly, quite a while back. About 20, 2015, it would have been or twenty sixteen at WrestleCon. Yeah, yeah. Just echoing your thoughts on what what a legend, what a pro. Do you ever meet Finkel? Do you know what? No, absolutely gutted. When we when we were doing access and stuff like that, it just wasn't it wasn't on the signings and stuff. I, I miss Piper as well. I miss Piper they uh... yeah. I know
1: I know I I never got to meet Roddy. Um, I don't even know if I was anywhere where he was, but you know Finkel in particular, you know a lot like Gene, just a just a, a really good guy. Honestly, one of the nicest people in uh, in wrestling, and that's. Um... <clears throat> you know i'm sure you've been around this this business long enough it's difficult to say that you know this guy's salt of the earth type person great guy but uh you know howard really was just
0: they don't make him they don't make him like him anymore i tell you
1: yeah it's true
0: just he was a company man wasn't he through and through obviously they've all they've all echoed that
1: yeah just a humble humble appreciative guy you know it's really loved what he did and um you know, it's kind of sad that he passed, for sure.
0: I like that video with uh, Gallows and Anderson when he when it, Did you see it? I no, I didn't. What Finkel, Finkel uh, phoned him to say where he was booked, but when he's telling Gallows where he's going and like where his rental car will be, he he's uh, doing it in the Finkel announcing <laughs> voice. And Gallows, I'll, I'll send it to you later. Um, it was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Oh,
1: that's- that's awesome. That's super cool. You know what? I think my roommate just let my cat in, so it might be good.
0: <laughs> okay, man. right before I hit any wrestling, talk, Rich, Yes, I want, to, I want to ask you how is it's a bit of a cliched sentence this at the moment. I'm having to start off with this. How are things during lockdown for yourself?
1: Not all that different for me, uh, to be honest. Um, I work from home. My, you know, my regular shoot job. I I, I work from home, so I'm. You know, it's it, honestly, the only real difference for me is that I'm um, like every couple of weeks, I'm used to going somewhere for, you know, like MLW or somewhere. Right. So uh, like every three, four weeks, I'm used to going and getting on, a, on an airplane and that's obviously halted the last two months. Uh, but other than that, I, I, you know, I, I work from home. I, you know, I keep kind of weird hours to, to begin with, with, with the job that I have. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm starting to go a little bit nutty right now with no road trips. But other than that, I've, I've, I've been okay. Can I ask, how are you over there? How are you guys doing over there?
0: Just every day every day is the same. My full-time job uh, at, at present was still furloughed. Um, so we're on 80% of salary at the moment. Uh, my, my missus is still working. She works for the government. She's a probation service. So okay. she's working. But she's working from home. Three right. days a week. But, yeah, just every day is the same, Rich. They're just rolling pretty, on for me.
1: Pretty, pretty much the same here, man. You know, l- luckily I'm still working, not, knock on wood. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little stir-crazy right now. But, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully there's some stuff going on soon.
0: That's so what we, so we all want, isn't it? Workers, fans. Yeah. We want, we want it back. When did you first encounter pro wrestling, Rich? I'm looking forward to the answer of this.
1: Ooh, uh, I was probably, I don't know, six, seven years old. Um, I was young. I remember seeing it on TV, and I, I've, I've, I've joked before with people that uh, I remember asking my dad and my uncle, um, so I knew what boxing was when I was little. And I knew how to explain boxing, and I remember seeing wrestling and saying, "What's that other thing that's kind of like boxing, but it's not? They kind of kick each other and stuff, right?" And uh, it was either my dad or my oh, that's pro wrestling. Oh, you know, and that I want to say my first one of my first memories of it was, uh, it was definitely a WWF show, and it was definitely Captain Lou. I want to say he was doing uh, cutting a promo. It's probably my first memory, and you know, to tell you who was out there and what was going on necessarily, I, I, I don't really remember. But I, I just remember seeing that, uh, and it would have been the old WWF tapings from probably like Hamburg or something like that, um, or Poughkeepsie, one of those places, and that that was really my first exposure to it. But to actually really get into it and and under you know understand it at some level was probably around, uh, you know, not long after Hogan first won the title. So, you know, probably like 84-ish, 1984-ish is probably when I first started, like, really paying attention to it.
0: That's further back than me. <laughs> Fair yeah. play. Yeah. About, about six years difference, 1990 over here for me. So, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I, so, you know, I, I got a couple of years on, on you, and, I, you know, I get to see really the tail end, I guess, of the territory era. So, you know, like when I grew up, there were still a lot of the territories and the smaller shows that were around. You know, I'd imagine by 1990, I mean, all the territories are pretty much dead by that. Like GWF was probably still around. You know, Global was around at, at that point, I think. And, you know, the uh, Herb Abrams UWF was, was probably around 1990-ish. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it was uh, really the two staples for me probably would have been the show on Monday night on USA. Um, primetime wrestling, and then Saturday nights. You know, like everybody else always talks, Saturdays at 6.05 on on TBS. That was, you know, that was huge for me. Who
0: were some of the standout guys on the rosters for you when you were growing up? Which guys did you gravitate to?
1: Who who pulled you in? Uh, The Road Warriors, Dusty, Um, you know, Jim Cornette, Midnight Express, you know, just that whole era, really. The Russians. You know Ivan, and Nikita. Um, you know, definitely my favorites were, were the Road Warriors, uh, and I think like probably every every other kid around. You know, at, at that age, at that time, uh, especially growing up in, in Rhode Island, which at the time we'd get WWF shows every month. Um, so Hogan was you know obviously a big deal as well. But it, there was something about something about the NWA and you know Crockett Promotions and that whole. Thing. You know, I get to watch the AWA as well. Uh, but there was something about that Southern, I guess, that Southern style of, of, of wrestling. And it was kind of gritty. It was kind of dirty. It was kind of, it looked more real. And I remember thinking that as a kid like, oh, you know, this WWF stuff is, you know, you can tell it's a show, right? But the NWA, yeah, that looks like it might be real. I know it's not, but it looks like it might be. You know what I mean? That was kind of my mindset. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Did any events in the calendar? tickle your taste buds some people get me to ask that again was there any events that stood out any pay-per-views
1: growing up as a kid um i remember actually i i actually remember probably the might have been the first or second wrestlemania that, that i didn't see actually i remember being in the car we actually drove to florida from rhode island down to florida the first time we went to florida my with you know, mom and dad, my sister. Uh, and you know, for those of you over in the UK, if you're not familiar, pull out a map of the U S you look at Providence, Rhode Island, which is up near Boston and then look where Orlando is. And that's a long, long, long ride. It's like 20, it's like 24 hour drive. Um, but I remember getting in the car and going, and I remember the Providence civic center had that big marquee on the outside. I remember seeing the the thing for, you know, WrestleMania, I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but I remember seeing the sign for WrestleMania. be like, man, I you know wish I could wish I could watch that. but uh, I think probably like every other kid at that point, you know Hogan Andre, WrestleMania 3, I, I remember sitting there watching that. Uh, I really wanted to be able to get the Crockett stuff, the NWA stuff, some of the Starrcade stuff that was promoted, but in New England, you couldn't get you know the closed circuit didn't have it. And by the time pay-per-view really became a thing, um, you know, a lot's been written about how the WWF kind of shut out Crockett from pay-per-view. So uh, we never really had the chance up in, up in the new England area, or at least the cable company I had to get any of the star kids. Cause I tried, I looked um, so, you know, I had to wait for the, uh, for the video store to, you know, to get the video. So, you know, it, again, you, you hear people talking about it, like, you know, some of the stuff that they, that they rented at the video store and like, I can still remember seeing some of those videos there. Lords of the Ring and, you know, just just some of that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, you know, WrestleMania 3, I think, probably stands out for a lot of us. And, um, you know, some of the Starcade stuff that I've been able to go back and watch, I just wish I would have been able to see it when it happened.
0: What stipulation matches did you like? Did you, did you like watching certain stipulations of matches? I-
1: I, I I remember thinking that the, the idea of a scaffold match was really cool. Um, in theory, I don't know that it, that that those matches ever really paid off the way that they, you know, because as a kid, you're thinking, holy crap, they're going to be up on a Somebody's going to go flying off the scaffold. You picture somebody getting like, kind of like what New Jack did, like legitimately pitching somebody off the scaffold. Uh, but when you think about it, it makes sense that that, you know, that's not really going to happen, right? Uh, but, you know, the scaffold match idea all, always seemed cool. Stipulation matches, you know, I mean, any cage match, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the match, I, I, I think that probably stands out as a stipulation from very, very early on would be Magnum and Tully in the I Quit match. And I remember hearing so much about that. Uh, and I remember waiting for the video to come out because I remember hearing about it after it happened. And, you know, they're really back-selling it on TV. And when, I find, when the video finally came out and I got to see that, that was, that was awesome.
0: Rich, I know you've been involved in other sports with broadcasting, but I just want to stick to wrestling for the time being and we'll get sure. into your broadcasting career. Because I've done, I've done my research. <laughs> I have done my research. I've, I've done my right. uh, research. When did you first get involved with wrestling in, in a you know, professional capacity in broadcasting? Oh, that's what I'll ask.
1: Uh, first time I ever had anything to do with a wrestling show would have been 2009, September of 09. I was the timekeeper for a show that my friend was the ring announcer for, and I just happened to go along with him, uh, for the ride and Hey, you want to come and hang out at this show? And I was just planning on just going to hang out and they needed somebody to ring the bell. So I thought like, I was all geeked out. Oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, when I really started getting involved was when, uh, I, I had moved to Houston and I actually kind of sort of knew the guy that ran an NWA promotion in Houston. Um, kind of got hooked up with them, trained a little bit, actually did some in-ring training because I, I wanted a referee originally, and um, went and learned how to run the ropes and learned how to you know get myself thrown out of the ring and, and that kind of stuff without killing myself because um, I wanted a ref, but when it came down to it, you know I refed a, I refed a little bit, but when it came down to it, they're like well you' working." you know, you've been in broadcasting and radio, I you know, and the guy that ran it didn't want to be the ring announcer anymore. So I kind of got roped into doing that, even though I wanted to ref. Um, so the, you know, there was that, that kind of graduated maybe a year later to working for Booker T and getting a, to work with him and train with him a little bit. Um, and just kind of learn from him and, you know, from there, I, you know, next thing I knew I was, a, I was at WWE. It happened really, really, really quick, probably quicker than it should have, um, I, I joke now that like my wrestling career has gone backwards because I kind of like start, you know, not, not necessarily started out in WWE, but I joke that I kind of got there quicker than I should have. Um, and now I've been working the independence and now I'm really learning a lot more that I probably wish I would have known back then. So again, it's, it's, it's a backwards progression for me. <laughs> basically, so do- basically d- WWE paid me to learn how to become the, you know. I don't want to say like to become one of the best indie announcers in, in the business. Right. But it's like, they taught me everything I needed to know and then canned me, right as I was starting to get good at it. So I was able to take what I learned there and apply it to the independents.
0: Did Bucket T put a word in for you for that position?
1: Yeah, for sure. I,
0: for sure. I know that sounds obvious to ask, but I thought I'd just ask it just to.
1: Yeah. You know, it, w- it was one of those things when, when I was, I was working for him and my, uh, my ex-wife actually, kind of pushed me to talk to him a little bit more. I had applied for a gig with the Houston Texans, the football team and went and interviewed with them and it didn't work out, but the, their broadcaster was just, he, you know, he'd to my stuff and was really, he was impressed with my work and he was kind of, you know, it's, it's a shame. Like you should be, you should be calling sports somewhere. Cause at the time I wasn't like I called hockey. I was in Houston. I had a corporate job at the time. Um, And I really didn't, you know, really wasn't happy at that point. So the guy at Mark at the Texans had heard my stuff. He said, "Oh, you should be, you know, really be calling sports somewhere." And I I told my my wife at the time. I told her that she was the one that kind of nudged me and said, "Well, you should talk to Booker." Um, and I didn't really. I was kind of weary about asking him because a lot of a lot of guys would go train at his school with the idea that, well, Booker's going to get me to WWE, and that was. you know that for me, that was honestly it was the furthest thing from my mind when I got started. Because, like I said, I wanted to referee. I had no grand illusions of, you know what I mean, going to WWE. It never really even crossed my mind. It, it was just kind of, you know, I, I just I wanted to do it for fun because I was always a fan. I just wanted to referee and just be part of it. Um, you know, but it was after that interview and talking, you know, my wife, and she kind of nudged me, so I talked to him, and he was like. You know, he, he told me he thought I was ready right then at least to, you know, to learn. So, you know, I put something together and, you know, that kind of started the process and it was probably about, you know, a little less than a year later when, um, you know, I got a tryout and, you know, the, re- the rest is history. So, book definitely, definitely helped for sure.
0: I just thought I'd ask, obviously, you know, I'd, I'd want to see how, how, how it came to yeah. fruition for you. How, how was your experience in WWE? I know it's quite a broad one.
1: Um, so, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> simultaneously the coolest and worst experience of my life. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but the, you know, it was a dream come true Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, and I say an offbeat dream because it was like, you know, it was ne- And I just want to make it clear. Like it was never my goal when I started out as an announcer, like I'm going to go in and announce wrestling. I always thought it would be cool to do it, but it was like how do you even get that? How do you even do that? How do you, you right. How does that even happen? So it was never even really in the back of my head besides like, Oh, that'd be cool if I get to do that someday. Right. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you're there, you're in that bubble, you're in that world, you're in that, you know, you're in that, that kind of cocoon and, and you're seeing how everything comes together. And it really is a fascinating, um, you know, it's a fascinating company there, there's so many different moving parts. It, it really is like, it's a lot to take in, but you know, to go along with that, there's just a lot of, you know, like, like any entertainment or probably, you know, any sports or, or whatever, there's just a lot of politics and a lot of backstabbing and a lot of, you know, yeah, you, you know, if you're not part of the right crew of people, then, you know, you're probably not going to be, it's, it's like, it's like anything else, right? You You know, if, if you go in and, and, and you, and you, you know, you want to politic. I, you know, I'm, again, I, I, don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's sour grapes or anything like that. No, I, no. Oh, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my time there mm-hmm. in many ways. And I also hated my time there in many ways to be, you know, to be frank and, and to be honest. And a lot of that has to do with just a lot of the just a lot of, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the bullshit that you have to put up with when you work there. You know, by and lo- by, by and large, a good experience for sure.
0: <laughs> I don't know whether to ask the next question now. No, <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: you yeah. go, go. You know, hey, I'm an open book, so
0: yeah, that's fine. You you worked across different brands, obviously you were with NXT for, for a long time, weren't you? But you are also on SmackDown. What was it like working the different areas of the company and the different brands? NXT how, how was that
1: for you. N- NXT was awesome. I loved working NXT. Um. SmackDown was cool because it was SmackDown, second biggest show at the time in in the company. Uh, I remember when I was told that I was going to do SmackDown, I wasn't ready. Even in my head, I'm not ready for this. Um, and I remember saying, you know, I remember telling Michael Cole, "I'm like, you sure about this? Like, oh, no, no, you'll be fine, you know." And you know, I was on the show for f- what four months or five months, and they and they brought in uh, they brought in Renalo. Um so, you know, who knows? I don't know if that was going to be the long-term plan anyway. And I kind of figured that, uh, you know, because I knew they were switching from sci-fi going over to USA. I kind of figured that I wouldn't be calling that show. I kind of figured that Michael Cole, that they would stick Cole, because that's what they always do, Cole, and always ends up back in those spots. Um, so, you know, it was, it was cool. Again, it was cool. Uh, I'm thankful. I realized that there's not a lot of people who have had that opportunity. So again, I don't want to make it sound like sour grapes, but at, you know, on the same time, I wish that I would have had a little bit more time, you know, just doing NXT or main event superstars, really NXT, and just really learning and 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 understanding. Because here's the thing: when you're in that, when you're there and you're doing that, it's not about calling matches anymore. When you're the play by play guy, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's more about the traffic and the broadcast, and about you know pitching the packages and you know, doing the, the, doing those types of things. That's why Michael Cole is there. I love Cole. You know, a lot of people crap on, on him. They they yeah. don't think he's a good announcer, but there's a reason why Vince continually turns to Michael Cole because he knows the way that Vince wants things or that Kevin yeah. Dunn wants things. And, you know, I I've seen Cole legitimately go out there with no run sheet and just get produced through the headset. And he does it seamlessly. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, I wish I would have had a little more time to kind of hone that kind of hone those skills. I've gotten better at it now. Um, I'm probably, you know, I'm definitely not still not at Cole's level when it comes to, when it comes to that stuff. Um, but doing MLW and, and some of the other stuff I've done, I've just got a better grasp of that stuff at this point. Um, but again, you know, like I said before, my wrestling announcing career has gone completely backwards. Um, but, uh, you know, it was uh, it, it it was cool. It was fun. NXT was really where my heart was. Um, I wish I I could have called that show a little bit longer, but you know, again, it was you know was what it was.
0: I, I just to go back to Cole. It's people online behind a keyboard with no broadcast experience, turning around and saying the things they got no license whatsoever to. to how
1: they couldn't do it. They wouldn't be able to do what. No, mo- mo- most most people, you know, and this isn't talking. You know, I'm not trying to slag anybody, but you know, m- most people, you put on a headset or sit in front of a mic, you would have no idea what to say. And I don't mean you personally. I just no, mean no, you no, know, no. But mo- no. mo- most mo- most fans who think, "Wow, well, this guy sucks," or this, you know, whatever, they couldn't do it. And no. you know, that's not to say that they should be able to know how to do it. And that's also not to say that they that they're not allowed to criticize. Of course, they're allowed to criticize. But uh, but you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean. Most, most people that sit there, wow, well, you know, blah 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 blah. This guy sucks, or that guy sucks. Like have an opinion. That's fine. But uh, I I know what you're saying with the keyboard folks or the Twitter folks that just want to crap yeah. on everything. You know,
0: I just come I, I come away from it now, Rich. I used to get riled up and start. You know, but that's what people want. So I just. Just they can have their opinion as they say, but I don't think it's it's unjust what they're coming out with half the time.
1: Ninety percent of the time. I mean, listen, you know, like I I I can't play hockey at a high level or you know baseball at a high level, but you know I'm going to go to the game and I'm going to sit there and you know I'm going to second guess the coach. Ah, oh, why did he? You know, you know yeah. the Red Sox, the Red Sox and Yankees in uh, you know Game Seven of Oh Three. Why why did he leave Pedro in? He should have pulled Pedro in the seventh inning or whatever, right? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but um. There, there's there's always that as a fan like I'm sure with football soccer whatever you know there's people that why you know why did the manager do this or they, yeah. they, you know some of it's uh you know fans are definitely allow, allowed to criticize but um you know in particular when it comes to you know i, I think when it comes to, to wrestling announcing it's uh I, I think it seems a lot easier on the outside than it really than it really is because it is it's a very difficult it really is a difficult thing to be good at it.
0: Rich, did you have much interaction with Mr. McMahon? That's all I wanted to ask. Uh,
1: not a ton here and there. He knew my name. Um, I, you know, I'd see him in Gorilla. Hello, Rich. Oh, sir. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, he was in my headset a handful of times. I remember calling the show at Madison Square Garden, and he, and he was in, in my headset. Um, funny story that I can tell you is when John Cena came out, you know, John comes out, and he usually does a thing where he stands there, and he talks to the camera. He's like, he'll stand there and look around, and then he does that thing, and he says something to the camera, and then he runs down to the ring, right? So out comes John Cena, and he doesn't say anything, and he's standing there. So I start talking, and almost right as I start talking, John starts talking. Wouldn't you know it? Of course, right? And all of a sudden, hear it, in the headset, I hear, Lay out. John's talking. <laughs> and my asshole would have puckered, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I, my, I just kind of, right, you don't know what to do. And then, you know, so I let John do his thing, and then, you know, it felt like forever. All you hear is, talk. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I, 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 I remember that. But, uh, no, nah, you know, uh, Vince was, um, you know, uh, Michael Cole, I think, who was producing me 99% of the time. I'm sure got an earful from Vince because I don't think Vince like somebody was asking me the this the other day did Vince like you as an announcer and I said no he said did Vince hate you as an announcer and I said no he said does Vince like anybody as an announcer and I was like no (laughs) because I think that's true I don't think Vince likes anybody as an announcer besides himself
0: he was very he was very good about it as well when he he did it I I like I liked him on the on the uh mic
1: Stuff doing doing the you know I always enjoyed Vince for the most part, and still he started screaming all the time in, <laughs> uh, in, 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 in the early 90s. <laughs> like all right enough, but um you know it's kind of one of those things where he knew how to do it and he knew what he wanted, and he just expects that you're going to know what he's thinking right yeah. and it, it, that kind of brings me back to my Michael Cole point. And it also kind of brings me back to, or brings me around to like a Bruce Pritchard point where you've heard people talk before. I think Bruce has even said this, like, he knows how Vince's mind works. He knows what Vince wants. He's like the Vince whisperer. Cole is in many ways the same way. He knows what Vince wants. So, you know, take that for what it's worth.
0: Turnbuckle TV is the home of UK Wrestling On Demand, featuring over 40 UK wrestling promotions and other wrestling-related channels. Subscribe today from just $1.99 and start your free one-month trial now.
1: GTG, often imitated but never duplicated broad at the shoulder, nine at the hip. No other promotion. Give us any limp. We're the best of the best. The beasts of the East. S-O-S. Simply out of sight.
0: G-T-G. What he said, good times go I'm going to you. I'm gonna fast forward now. How did MLW come about in 2017? How did you end up with Major League Wrestling? Come away from um. QE now.
1: Uh so the long and short of it is I, I, w- I was doing a, an independent show in Orlando and I worked uh, I worked that show with MSL Mr. St Laurent who's the you know the talent relations uh VP or, you know for for MLW so he and I worked that show and it wasn't an MLW show it was, it was another company and a uh, pretty good show, actually, but nobody came out for it. Like, I remember Shayna Baszler was on the show, and then Kyle O'Reilly was on the show, Tom Lawler. Like, it, was, it was a really good show. Um, and uh, I worked that show with MSL, and he kind of tipped me off. He's like, hey, there might be something brewing. Well, what's going on? Well, I don't know yet, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we'll see how this goes. Anyway, next thing I know, oh, yeah, okay, you know, MLW is coming back, and uh, we want you to be the play-by-play guy. Or we want you to be one of the announcers. So, okay, cool, let's do it. You know, at the time, we were running – the idea was to run in Orlando, which for me at the time, I was living in Orlando. So that, that was easy. That was a no-brainer. Like, okay, sure, you know. Um, and that came – you know, I was doing a little bit of wrestling at that point, but not. I, I think I was just doing fest in Gainesville. I don't really think I was doing anything else because for a while I was just kind of like hands off. I just didn't want, just didn't really want anything to do with it. Um, and I, you know, like a lot of other people that that have been in the business for a while, you kind of get sucked back in, right? And uh, I'm glad I did. I've had I've had fun with MLW. You know, getting to work with Shivani, and getting to work with Cornette and some of the other people. You know, getting. A, you know, no uh, Dr. Tom uh, worked uh, behind the scenes with us for a little bit. A lot of other people that I've gotten to meet and pick their brains, and um, you know, I'm, I've had fun with it.
0: That was going to be my next question in relation to how uh, Shivani and Mr. Cornet, how how was it? Maybe just yeah, go go into a bit more depth about doing.
1: Uh, well, uh, an uh, so to them guys. Well, the, the, so Court Bauer, who's you know who runs MLW, um, had yeah. called me up and asked me, you know, okay, you know. You know, this is what we have going on with MLW. You're interested in doing it. Yeah. Okay. So he calls me up one day and he says, Hey, I want to let you know who your brought." Cause the idea was it was going to be one show at first, right? That that's how it was pitched. I think the idea was always to do more, but we pitched it as one show at first. So anyway, he calls me up and he says, uh, Hey, I got your broadcast partner. I said, okay. He said, and I could, I, I remember where I was when he called me. I can still picture this in, in, in my head. Um, he calls me up and he says, how do you feel about working with doink? And I kind of, I was like, didn't, didn't Matt Bourne pass away a couple, couple years ago? Doink. And I, you know, all these thoughts are running through my head and you know, I finally said to him, you know, court, as long as the check clears, I don't care. right?" Right. Thinking of myself, Doink. This totally goes against everything that he that it was pitched as, and so then he starts laughing, and he's like, "Your broadcast partner's Tony Shavani." So it went from me laughing, my you know, like laughing, like doing, thinking, like, "What the?" To you know, okay, you're gonna you're gonna work with Shavani, who legitimately is one of the reasons that I even became an announcer in the first place, right? So for sure. Awesome. So, you know, getting to work with Tony was was super cool. And then uh, Cornette too. That was a surprise. Hey, guess what? You got to be working with Cornette. Really? Awesome. You know, I loved working. You know, I know Jim gets a lot of shit from people. I loved working with Jim. I think he's a great guy. I love him.
0: Can't you will not change that man. I like him. I like him, but I can see why people get pissed off at him, but he's always been the same.
1: Well, you know, here here's something that he said, and you know, I, I I think it's I I think it's worth repeating, you know, and and I'm not gonna I'm not a 100% cornet apologist. He says some things that I'm like, eee, you know, but he knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows why he's doing it. Um, and something that he said that I think is important to keep in mind is you don't know where James E. Cornett begins and Jim Cornett ends and vice versa, right? Jim Cornett, the wrestling character, where does, where does that end? And where does James E. Cornett, the man, begin? And you'll never know the answer to that question. I'll never know the answer to that question. You know, does he hate Joey Ryan as much as he says he hates Joey Ryan? I don't know. I'm sure he hates the dick flip, but I don't know, I don't know that, he, that he hates. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've often thought that, you know, somebody – and I like Joey Ryan. I, I, have not, I have no problems with Joey Ryan at all. But I've often said, like, they should be sending Cornette some royalties because, it's like, every time Cornette shits on them, I'm sure their T-shirt sales go up. So, you know, every protagonist needs an antagonist. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, – I'm convinced that Jim is sincere in it, yeah. but I'm also convinced that there's a lot of work that's going. You know, he's working a lot of people. You know, yeah. like the like the whole stuff. You know, the whole recently, like with you know the whole Becky Lynch stuff and all that. He's uh, he's clearly working people. And everybody gets all upset and fired. Oh, we're gonna cancel Cornette and all this other stuff. It's like it's the biggest heel in wrestling today. Lives and breathes the
0: business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, business. And, you know, and 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 to me, it it is an important distinction because you know. Uh, as much as I enjoy parts of modern wrestling, there, there's a lot of it that I hate. And, you know, the idea of the whole, you know, the whole idea that it's a magic show, right. Yeah. You know, that we don't need to be reminded it's fake. And I think, you know, Cornette may have even said this on a on a recent show. Like you watch, I don't know if you've ever seen uh Penn and Teller's show. Oh yeah, uh, for, oh, right. no,
0: no, of Pan, Pan and Teller, yeah, absolutely. Okay, R- right. So, I, so, I, so
1: I, even, on, even, even on that show, if they, know the mu- if they know that magician's trick, they don't say out loud, oh, you did this trick by doing this, 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 and that. They go up to him and they whisper it to him, and the guy says, yeah, you got me, right? That's the magic, and that's the art. And I don't think we need to continually beat people over the head, reminding them that what we're doing is, you know, quote-unquote fake. But the magic is making people forget that it's fake. That's my soapbox for the day <laughs> how How would you find the
0: scheduling obviously uh, I, I spoke to Brian Pillman Jr. about this you block block taping four episodes. that must be quite cool for your schedule. Uh, you can,
1: yeah, there. yeah, it's a long day. I'll tell you that. Um, you know when you're sitting there from you know for four hours four and a half hours taping you know when you get to to match sixteen, oh man, you're just worn out. Um, but you know, it is easier getting a lot of stuff done, but what that also means is that there's a lot more post, uh, post-production work because there are so many things that can change between the time that you tape and the time that the show comes out and you don't necessarily know, you know, you kind of have an idea, well, this match is going to air, you know, it's going to air this week, but it might not air until late. You know what I mean? So you don't necessarily know where things are going to fit. So in your storytelling, that makes that a little bit more difficult. Um, so, you know, it, it, just means that there's a lot more to clean up, uh, post-production whereas you're doing it week to week, you know, that has its advantages too, because like you're in real time and you know where you are. So there there's pros and cons to both for sure.
0: Are you, are you still allowed to work for other promotions or are you exclusive now to
1: MLW? How, how, how was that working now? So right now I, I can, so I can work for pretty much anybody right now. Um, I'm not like, I'm not under contract right now. I'm, I'm just, you know, one off each show. Um, you know, hopefully that's, you know, we, we may change that at, at some point, but, um, you know, like I do defy out of Seattle. Um, that's not anything that I plan on giving up anytime soon. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think with MLW, um, you know, and, you know, I, 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 I've got some, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about this stuff here as, as we get back to, to more normalcy. But uh, I think with them, as long as I'm not doing any other wrestling TV necessarily, I don't think they really have much of a problem. Um, you know, like if I showed up on Impact, I don't think they'd be too happy, yeah. but, um, you know, or yeah. AEW or AEW or something, but I don't see that happening anytime soon anyway. You know what I mean? So- um so yeah I mean for the most yeah. part I can I can do it. I I think as long as it's not TV I yeah. think I'm fine.
0: It's nice nice that you have that freedom rich.
1: Well you know I you know to to be, to be honest um you know I'm not I, this isn't it's not a full time thing for me right? So you know I if if I'm not having fun and I'm not enjoying it then I'm not going to do it. Um so you know there, there there's there's a little bit of that as well. You know I I, I want to have fun I want to enjoy doing it. Um, you know, and if, if, if it's not paying my bills and I want to have freedom to be able to kind of pick and choose what I do. So, you know, hopefully as MLW grows, hopefully that changes. And hopefully it is like my soul. I would like, I would love that to be the, you know, if that's the only wrestling that I did, you know, that I'm, I'm not opposed to that either, but, uh, you know, financially we got, we have to get to, we have to grow the thing to get to that point. That's what we're trying to do.
0: You know, do you know the big thing that stood out for me watching it on free sports over here. The attendances have been amazing. You've had some really good crowds for the for the shows wherever you've gone. Really, really good. The crowd, the crowds have been amazing. That's one thing that stood out for me.
1: Chicago's always good. Yeah. Philadelphia is always good. Uh, Dallas is always really good. The last couple shows that have been on before the anthology stuff that we're doing now uh, was out of Mexico. That was that was a little bit different. The last taping um, we, we had some logistical issues, obviously with the coronavirus and stuff, uh, with, with the last set of tapings, we literally squeezed that in before the whole world shut down. Um, but the, you know, the crowds are into it and, you know, we have our core cities where people are, you know, they know what's going on. They're familiar with the content. They know who, you know, who to chair, who to boo. They, you know, they know that Fatu and country, you know what I mean? They, they know what the yeah. whole thing is. So, yeah. um, Cool. You know so so it's not like going into a new market. New York is decent sometimes uh you know, but sometimes they have a New Yorkers tendency you know that crowd sometimes they've seen so much and it, we run into the same thing in Florida too where they see so much wrestling that you know they're kind of like eh, right they just kind of sit there, but you know you go to like the Chicagos and Dallases and stuff and they're really hot for it
0: which guys in MLW you enjoying watching, not say you're playing favorites.
1: Uh, I think is amazing. You know, Fatu's very, very, he's a special, a special competitor. The whole Contra unit thing is cool. You know, Pillman's a kid that, that I've really seen grow and, um, you know, really mature in the last two years. Um, you know, those are guys that, that stand out to me. Obviously, you know, there's so, so many guys there. You know, Tom Lawler, I enjoy what he does, I like Davey Boy. Um, you know, I don't want to feel like, a you know, LeVon Erickson, you know, there, there are so many different flavors to, to what we do at MLW. Um, I think most fans would be hard pressed not to find something that they like. Right. Um, you know, for me personally, you know, the contra unit stuff kind of has some of that old school wrestling feel mm-hmm. to me. Um, so I kind of, you know, I kind of like some of the stuff that they're, that they're doing, you know, Joseph with the, with the railroad spike and, you know, the, you know, Burning people and stuff—I think it's pretty cool. I like that.
0: I love Mance months Warner, but not not necessarily for the extreme style. It's it's the promos that hook me in with Mance. He is incredible with the promo, yeah. that guy. Yeah,
1: he's he, he, he's he's a fantastic talker. I, I and he's he's a good dude. He's a funny guy too, um, and a very very smart guy. Yeah, very smart. You yeah. know, you, you know, you talk to him one on one away from. Uh, you know, and, and not not to kill Fabe or whatever, but but he's you know he's he's got a you know a, a fairly he's got a decent job at home, and he's a, he's a smart guy, and he's able to to take all of that and really make the Mance Warner character uh, come to life.
0: It's distinguishable and original, which is I the think hard so. that's the hard thing to to do, isn't it, for these guys? And then I, I'm not into the extreme wrestling. I like a normal match, but yeah, Mance... Months definitely and Hammerstone, like you say, you could we could list them. We could yeah, list we, the
1: guys and you know, absolutely. You know, there, there have been guys you know that that have grown with MLW. That for me, I I think it's pretty cool to see the Hammerstone how he's grown over the past few years. The Von Eriks, the Pillman's, all all those guys to see how they've come along and really grown into, you know, in, in into what they are. Um, you know, I, 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 it's just my hope that. At some point, a greater amount of wrestling fans are able to are able to see it. It's not
0: necessarily a bad thing. MJF leaving, Due to Obviously, holiday. Not saying holiday and Hammerstone didn't get time in the promos and stuff. They've all had the same amount of time, but it's also going to help Gino Medina out, isn't it?
1: Within I think so. Dynasty. You know. L- losing, uh, you know, losing Max to AEW is, um, you know, it's difficult because yeah. he's such. He's, uh, he's, he's twenty two or twenty. I mean, the kid's he legitimately he's a prodigy. He really is, and he, he's so inquisitive about everything in, in the business. I remember him coming up to sit up with Cornette and I once. He was just asking us questions and, you know, production questions. Just, you know, I remember we had to, we mentioned something about doing wild lines. And He's like, well, what are wild lines? And we explained to him that, well, you know, and for anybody listening, a wild line is when you do, when you do your four weeks of TV. A wild line is when you go in later on and you have to add something later to fix something. Basically, that's what a wild line is. And you know, he was saying, well, how does that work? How do you do this? What, asking questions just about everything because he wants to learn everything. He wants to know know everything. And just as far as his promos, name a better promo in the in no. wrestling today. There's really no one.
0: Going to be hard pushed. Yeah. 100%. And he's only 24.
1: <laughs> is he 24 now? See, I, I, I'm, I'm – is he 21? Is he – I guess uh, – yeah. Said, the, the, he, the time has gone by, so I guess he is 24, he right? He said in a promo on
0: Dynamite, he actually – I'm 24 along those lines. I heard it last week when he's in the reward low So, yeah, he is saying he's 24 rich as, okay. as it stands. But he might be 25 next week.
1: I, you know, I still think I, I, I guess I met him when he was probably 21. So I'm just stuck right there, yeah. like ah, he's 21 or 22, but now nah, he's yeah,
0: will <laughs> will at his feet. I tell you yes, 100. Yep. Many yep. many years of him, and like you're saying, he wants to learn about everything. So that's the cool thing with
1: him. It really yeah. it it, and it it really is, and you know, like you see him work in the ring too, and he he works such a simple style. Um, there's no wasted movement. He doesn't do stuff that he doesn't need to do. And he's smart. I remember working at an MLW show, and without naming names, somebody wanted to do some ridiculous move off the top to put him through a table, and he was like, not a chance. <laughs> and I kind of had to, good for him for saying no to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's, uh, if he plays his cards right and he's smart and he doesn't get into trouble, he's going he's gonna to do very well for himself.
0: Which guys, maybe who are not, in the in the picture across across all companies now and brands which guys can you see being stars of the future rich not that you i don't mean like you're playing favorites because there's so many but yeah if you could maybe give us a few names that you think stars into the future who are destined for superstar,
1: try i'm trying to think of um i've been really called in it you know i haven't called any matches in you know two months now right so i'm i'm kind of I guess I have to, to shake off some of the rust. I'm just trying to think. Um, you know, th- there's a handful of guys at, at, at Defy that, um, you know, that have worked the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area for a long time, that really haven't had a chance over, uh, you know, the previous couple of years to, to really get around. Because for a lot of times, Seattle was kind of like off on its own island. You know, there really wasn't a lot of wrestling uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest. Guys like the American Guns. I think are an incredible tag team. You know Randy Myers, who's been around for a long time, is such a, a unique character. He's the Defy Champion now. Um, and one name in particular, actually, that I think a lot of fans are going to get to know in the next few years is Schaff, Who he he was the Defy Champion, lost the title to to Myers. Um, I, I really think Schaff has a future. I think once he, you know, once his promos kind of catch up to him um you know I, I i think he's got the size he's a powerhouse type guy i think Shaffel will, will do pretty well he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on That's cool it's
0: cool right rich you've been involved i've just don't want to do every bloody time i'll, I'll redo that we, we can cut it we can cut it it's fine <laughs> it'll be slick when this gets put together rich i promise you perfect i've got an editor I've got a freelance videographer who edits it. I'm not editing it.
1: <laughs>
0: it's not like a sack of shit if I edited it. So, yeah. Right. You've worked many other sports in broadcasting. Could you tell the viewers, listeners, a little bit about this? Go into a bit of, you know, your other you sporting backgrounds in broadcasting.
1: Well, I spent 15 years or so in pro hockey in the minors uh, in, in the U.S. I've, I worked in the American Hockey League for a bit, which is AAA A. And similar to baseball, it's the the next step is the NHL. Worked in double A hockey in the Central Hockey League for a number of years. Um, I did that. I called some baseball. Did some arena football. Um, was a, a, a sports anchor doing TV sports for a little bit. Did radio, uh, you know, radio news reports. I've done that. I, I did soccer, the Houston Dynamo and MLS. I, I, I was the PA announcer there. I've been able to do a number of different things. I I don't know if I said baseball, but I called baseball. And a couple of years ago, I actually did a, a show called GRID, G-R-I-D, GRID, which is basically like a, a team CrossFit competition, for lack of a better description. And it, it was literally one of those things where I got a call to do it about two weeks ahead of time, and I had no idea what it was. Basically got a crash course in it and went and called I forget how many, six or seven matches or, or something like that. And I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure they folded. They don't exist anymore. Um, it was a very niche sport, but it was actually really interesting. And it was kind of cool to to go and do that. But really, my background's hockey. Yeah. Um, and that's, I would love to, you know, if if the season ever, if hockey ever starts back up here again, I would love to be able to, to call hockey again at some point for sure. That's
0: cool. That's cool, man. My next one. Have you got any tips for budding sports journalists? What would be Rich Bukini's tips for people coming into the industry? Don't. Sorry? Don't. 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 (laughs) Right, okay. Become become an accountant. Can you elaborate on? <laughs> don't. If if you if you can if you can elaborate on don't I'd be uh, grateful. But if you can't, it's fine.
1: No, it's um, it's a lot of ups and downs doing this. Probably more downs than ups. And it's feast or famine for most of us. It's uh, it's a labor of love. There's not always a lot. There's money in it at the top. There's not always a lot of money in it unless you're at the top. Now, having said that, I've been able to survive. I've been able to make a living and have a roof over my head and, a, you know, a vehicle that, you know, has too many miles on it at this point. Um, it, can be, it can be a very, very tough line of work, not only professionally, but mentally too, because, you, you know, mentally you have to be able to, to deal with the, 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 honestly, the constant criticism that comes from not only the public, but, as I mentioned, if you work at a place like WWE as an announcer, everything you say, everything you do is scrutinized. Every word that comes out of your mouth is turned upside down, sideways, shined, and you know, suggested that you could have said it better. Yeah. And that becomes, honestly, it becomes kind of taxing after a while because you're always on edge that you don't want to screw up. And you kind of just have to... Weird. You almost just kind of have to be—I don't want to say oblivious to it—but you just kind of have to go and do what you do, and not worry about it. And that's—it t- it takes some confidence, I-, I guess, to get there. And I-, I think it's anybody who's in any kind of any kind of performing art, even if you're an athlete um, or a musician or something—you know th- there's something within us that we, you know, there- there's something that compels us to perform. And that outside validation in many ways is important, even though a lot of us say it isn't. A lot, you know, Some of it is. There, the, you want that external validation. The trick is not letting that external validation become the be-all, end-all. Because that can really... I know a lot of people, especially in wrestling, that they live for that. And if they're not getting that, your whole world is upside down. You kind of need to need to get to a point where you know what you're doing is what you want it to be and what your boss wants it to be. And the rest, everybody else can, you know, the fans quite frankly can go to hell. <laughs> and I know I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying fuck the fans because I'm not, No. but, but when you do it, you have to, you have to get to a point where you're confident in what you're doing and where, you know, that what you're doing is what, the guy who's paying you wants you to do. And that really becomes, um, that really becomes what it is as opposed to, you know, maybe the more punk rock mindset. Well, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to do it the way I want it. Okay. Well, if you want to work at WWE, it's not going to happen. You have to do it how they want it. You know? So, you know, that's, so when I say, don't get into it. um, a lot of people get into sports broadcasting or wrestling or, you know, whatever, thinking that it's going to be, they probably think in the back of their head, well, you know, it's, it's tough, but they don't really necessarily know how tough it, it, it can be. Um, like I said, man, I've been in some form of broadcasting for close to 20 years now. I've slept on buses, slept on the floors of buses. I've sl- I slept in the stairway of a bus for arena football. I've made ne- next to no money. And I've made great money and flown first class and stayed in the top hotels working with the WWE. So, yeah, you know, and now that I'm back doing the indies, um, it's kind of like being back in minor league hockey where I'm staying, you know, instead of staying at the, at the Westin or the, the Hyatt Regency, you're staying at the Days Inn. So it's all, it's all part and parcel. Um, but if you're going to get into this thinking that you're going to make a ton of money, Don't, because you're probably, you might, God bless you if you do, but you're probably not going to.
0: That's good. That's, that's sound advice. You've done it for many years, man. That's, uh, that was, quite that that was quite a barometer that as well, Rich. Saying I hope hope it
1: doesn't uh, sound bitter. I hope it doesn't sound bitter. No,
0: no, not at all. No, it's honest. It's not bitter. I think you've just been honest about it, which that's, that's commendable, man. You've been honest. Honesty is the best policy, my mum says.
1: I try to uh, – sometimes I'm too honest for my own good, unfortunately. But um, that's – you know I don't know any other way to do it. Be, your, be yourself, man. Mm. Yep. Yep. what you can do.
0: Right, Rich. Can you please plug your social media for the viewers, listeners? Thank
1: yeah, you. absolutely. So obviously uh, every week on MLW, which you can check out uh, over in the UK on Free Sports uh, or on YouTube. Just go to uh, YouTube, put in Major League Wrestling Fusion. You can find us there. But it's for my personal uh, I'm on Twitter at Rich Bokini, B-O-C-C-H-I-N-I, Rich Bokini, and you can hit me up there. Um, you know, again, I it, you know, aside from MLW, there's Defy Wrestling out of Seattle that I'm that I'm the voice for, warrior wrestling out of Chicago, um, which is more of a fundraiser type thing, but uh, they, they they do a great job there. Fast Wrestling in Gainesville, want to plug them as well. Uh, But as far as my my Twitter goes, uh, if you hit me up on there, I'm actually working on, uh, without giving away too much detail, um, because I'm still in the planning stages of this one, but I'm actually putting together, I don't know how many parts it's going to be, but basically, if you want to call it like the master class, or a a seminar where uh, I really want to dive into... To kind of explaining pro wrestling commentary, what it really is and what to look for, how to do it. Um, and really kind of explaining some of the psychology behind it. Um, so that's something that, that I'm working on with the help of a few other people. I'm probably about halfway to where I want it to be. Um, but that's something that hopefully within, you know, hopefully within the next six months or maybe a year, hopefully sooner, I'll be able to unveil that. and. I'm kind of deciding, is it going to be a a two-week thing or a four-week thing or video or, you know, exactly kind of the the logistics of how I'm going to do it. But I've got most of the content put together. And, uh, you know, that's something that hopefully I'll be unveiling pretty soon.
0: That's cool, man. I I look forward to seeing that once it's all all done and you've completed it. That'll be cool to see. For sure. Uh, Rich Bokini, play-by-play commentator for MLW, MLW Fusion, Major League Wrestling. Thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate it, Rich. Ah, Stu,
1: a, a, a pleasure, more than happy to you know to talk to the fans, and always a pleasure talking to somebody uh, over in the UK for sure.
0: A big thank you to Stephen Ash and Ed Dowling for producing the track. It's Stu's Wrestling Podcast, the theme. So thank you very much for that, lads. Much appreciated. Love it. it. Fits really well. So cheers. Thanks to you. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always superb superb Chris Dutton thank you very much for editing once again appreciate it buddy and also to Lee who does my website Lee puts the stuff up on the website without you guys I'd be screwed so once again as always appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me means a lot guys
1: Sports Social Podcast Network